and welcome to another haunting episode of Homegrown History. I am Rebecca Wolf Lady Davis, and I'm here with my co-host, Richard, the vampire who never truly ages, Martin. I'm the oldest one here. So he says. And we have a couple of very special guests today, Shane, the Nightwalker Black. Hey, hey. And Jared Frankenstein Miller. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to Homegrown Haunted History. This is officially our second annual episode of Homegrown History. We've made it to our second year. Can you believe we've been doing this for a year and a half now, Richard? All right, all right. They're still letting us come in here and that's take right. over the mics, so that's good. Well, if you were with us last fall, then you may remember that we had a very special bonus episode of Homegrown History, and we had as our special guest, Shane Black, who is a man of many hats, um, including Athens City Attorney and local attorney, but also author of Spirits of Athens. Is that right? I've got it right. Again. Yes, that's right. Okay. And a leader of the Haunts Walks in Athens that go throughout the month of October. And we also have Jared Miller, who I'm not even going to tell you exactly what his connection to the ghost stories are, but I will say he runs the Limestone Legends Billiards on the Square on Marion Street. His wife, Jessica, runs Broken Brush Studio two doors down, both on the east side of the square, which will come to play prominently in our stories today. So, we've got a few ghost stories for you, and we're just going to jump right into it. But first, I want Richard to tell a little bit about the ghost stories you used to tell growing up as Boy Scouts. Oh, yeah. We used to camp out on Elk River on the east side of the Elk River. The west side is Lauderdale County. And on that side, there's no camps or anything. But there's a cave up there, and we were always told there was a half Cajun and half a Cherokee man lived there called Big Fat Mad Sam. And Big Fat Mad Sam was always hungry, and he'd come around when you start cooking, he could smell it. And if you throw him a little food, he wouldn't bother you. But if you didn't throw him any food, you better watch out, he'll come get it. And he always carried a drum with him. It'd be like a boom, 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 But Big Fat Mad Sam had a scar face. He fell in the hot water, scalded when he was a little boy, and it hurt his arm, and he walks with a limp, too. But Big Fat Mad Sam was really something to watch after, is what you do. So if you didn't have anything for him to eat, he better you better have something for him, Dean. So you better watch out when you go down that part of Elk River. So now, wasn't there some little boy who got so scared? Well, yeah, we had one boy <laughs> believed us and, uh, <laughs> and got got pretty upset. And so he just picked up his sleeping bag and walked home. Now, well, how far did he have to walk to get home? He had to walk from Elk River to downtown Athens. <laughs> That's and, a good little hole. And then, because we caught the Dickens for telling the story. <laughs> you got to watch out for Big Fat Mad Sam, half Cajun, <laughs> half Cherokee Indian. I think I'd be more worried about the coyotes and whatever wild dogs running around through Clements area. No offense to any Clements boys, Shane. <laughs> Not than I would from Big Fat Bad Sam. Bad Sam, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. That story actually segues. That's a great story, by the way. I love it. I'll story. be on the lookout for Big Fat Bad Sam next time I'm out on the river on my kayak. Mad. Oh, excuse me, mad. Mad. I'm so Big sorry. Big Fat Mad Sam. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, you know... 
when that boy was walking home, probably on Highway 72, mm-hmm. he probably walked right past the next house I want to tell us about. So I know we've talked some about downtown Athens, but out in Clements and more specifically Blue Springs area, there's a house that if you're headed out on Highway 72 West, before you get to one of the many Dollar Generals, <laughs> the one there at Blue Springs, it's on the right. It's got a, it's a farmhouse with a pointed window up top. And this was the first house that I ever heard of having ghosts, like from somebody I knew. When I was in third grade, my art teacher, her name was Miss Lambert, and she lived in that house. And she said, yeah, there's something going on in that house. She said that a lot of times they'd just be sitting in the living room and look over and that rocking chair would just be rocking all by itself. And they'd hear footsteps upstairs. And one night, her son woke up screaming. And she came running into his room. She's like, what's going on? He's like, there's a woman in my room. And she looked around. She said, there's no woman in your room. He said, there was a woman in my room. She was standing and looking over my bed. So, you know, you might think, okay, maybe that's just, maybe that's just, you know, a dream, right? Well, in 2000, 22 years ago, when I was working for the news courier, I was like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this as a cub reporter. So I went out to that house and I knocked on the door. And Jeff and Kathy Day were living there at the time. I don't know if they still live there. But they said, yeah, come on in. We'll tell you about the stories. And at first they're like, yeah, we don't believe in ghosts. But then they're like, well, you know, this house used to be in the Thatch community up near Ardmore. And it got moved out here years ago. But apparently at some point, there was a family that had three little girls. And during one of the many pandemics or epidemics, you know, whether it was scarlet fever or malaria or something that came through Limestone County, all three little girls died. And so they said every now and then they would hear little footsteps running around upstairs and their dog would look up the stairs and, you know, kind of watching something go by. But they decided that they liked little kids, so it's fine. They're not bothering anybody. But you know, the thing that makes me think that Miss Lambert's son might not have just been dreaming was that Jeff and Kathy said that when their kids were living in the house, they had a son and a daughter. They were both like teenagers, which is how old Miss Lambert's son was too, whenever he saw that woman. One morning, their son Kane came downstairs and asked his sister, why were you coming in my room last night? Mind your own business and stay in your own room. She's like, I didn't go to your room. I don't go to your stinky room. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I saw you. You were standing over my bed and you were looking at me. And she's like, it wasn't me. So I don't know, maybe it's the mama looking for her kids, but that house has always been just a little bit creepy on the way out to 72. So those are two Clements area stories, but I want to spend the rest of our time, and believe it or not, Richard, I'm not going to do all the talking this time, (laughs) because we got a real good ghost story. Now, Shane, this is one you include on your Haunts Walks tours, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, this is one that we've included since the beginning, sure. Okay, well, I'm not even going to say anything more, I'm just going to let y'all take it away. Well, you know, some of the best ghost stories that we have around here in Athens and Limestone have spilled out of traumatic events of our past. And so this story certainly does that. It meets that criteria. It occurred on March 20, 1893. There are some differing accounts about the story. There's places where they certainly agree. 
But I guess the best way to tell it is to first tell what happened in March 20 of 1893 and go from there. It's the middle of the night, courthouse square. Now it didn't look exactly like it does now. You know, you you, uh, you had dirt roads yeah. there around it. You had a different courthouse there mm -hmm. at the time. And there was a well, uh, y'all we're all familiar where the Confederate monument is. There was a well on that corner of the courthouse lawn. Train tracks, of course, still there. They were there. But the buildings around the square looked a little bit different. The same place that we're all familiar with. It's the middle of the night. Now the, the town is not that big. You can stand in the middle of the town and walk to uh, East Street and Houston Street, which was then called West Street, and you'd be at the borders of the town. So we're not talking about a very big town back here in the that's day, right? That's right. Right. That's, that's right. that's right. So it was in the middle of the night. It's about 2.30, 3 in the morning, quiet as could be. And someone was walking through the streets of town. Don't know what that someone was doing. But might have been up to no good. I have no idea. But somebody, a man was walking through the streets of town, walking across back towards his house uh, when he noticed a fire on the east side of the square, smoke coming from a building and the light of a fire from the inside. Now, fire was not uncommon uh, back in the days of the town. We've had lots of fires in the history of our town. The, you've had the north side, the east side, the courthouse, of course. And you don't have to even go back too many years ago here and remember the northeast corner of the courthouse. Yeah. But anyhow, he's walking through. He sees the fire. He starts yelling fire at the top of his lungs. Starts screaming, fire, fire. There's, there's a fire on this courthouse square. And, and people, this news quickly spreads throughout the town and people are coming out of their houses, you know, and they're sleeping gowns and half awake and they're rushing up to the square and their fire is on the east side of the square. Now, we're not sure exactly which building it was in on the east side of the square because some of those building footprints were different, but we know that it was somewhere on the east side of the square and we know that the people immediately began to go through what was then a pattern. Now, we didn't have a fire department back in those days. What you did was you had a well in the courthouse square, and so you started forming a bucket brigade. You you got your townsfolk together, and the whole town pitched in because the whole town's wealth was caught up with what's on the square, and so you're trying to save everything you can possibly save. So the townsfolk form a bucket brigade. They begin grabbing the water and, and forming it down, and they bust into the store. And they're they're throwing it on the fire. They're throwing it on the fire. Well, there's no firewalls at, at back during this period of time of any significance. And these these buildings would go up, and they knew that that would happen if they didn't take immediate action to do what they could to stop the fire. But the fire begins to spread, uh, and it spreads from building to building very rapidly. And at some point during this time of trying to put out the fire, the fire beginning to catch to the other buildings, the townsfolk beginning to realize that they needed to focus their efforts less on putting out the fire and more on trying to save everything they could on the east side of the square, that some people who were outside noticed in the upstairs window of this building that had caught fire, the silhouettes of two men who apparently had been trapped in the building and were now caught upstairs in the fire. Now, this is where some of the accounts differ in our story from folks even during that period. But one group of people insists that who these two folks were, were these were two young men who had been sleeping in the building overnight. 
back during that time, you know, you didn't really have a police force or a right. fire department like what we've got now. Yeah. So what folks would do, storekeepers would hire young men to stay in the buildings and sleep there overnight. And they kind of became the, the guards, the security guards for it. Well, these two guys had fallen asleep and they woke up. And by the time they woke up, all the excitement and everything was going on and they couldn't get downstairs and the room's becoming clogged with smoke. And so they run to the front of the building and begin to beat on the windows. And the people looking from below see them silhouetted up against these windows beating on the windows. Now the guys knock the windows out and they start screaming and yelling to the people below. Now I gotta tell you, sometimes this story gets a little harsh and sometimes in telling this story, on these haunt walks to kind of tone it down a little bit because of what happens next. Um, but I'll give you all the unfiltered version. The accounts are that the men are screaming upstairs for help from the folks below. But by this time, the fire is so intense and it is so blistering that the people are unable to approach the buildings to even get ladders up to them. And so the people are forced to watch below as these young men are consumed by fire, screaming, and that the men were screaming for someone to shoot them to put them out of their misery. That's right. And then they die. You know, they, of course, they're yeah. consumed by flame and, and they die. It was a terrible, terrible fire. Before it was put out, it consumed the entire eastern side of the square. And no building on that side was left untouched. If you're walking around the Athens Square and you stop at one of those wonderful brick markers and see some of those images on there, and I know... I'm yeah, sure we, we see, see them every you day. See it. Yeah, you <laughs> look at that one in the upper right-hand corner. It is an image of this scene the next day, oh, the day yeah. after the fire. And you'll see the, the street is full of goods. It's full of boxes. It's full of shoes. Yes. Where people have burst through those stores on either side and have pulled out all the goods that they can. And the in the catacombs that are left, the yep. charred remains of the buildings on the east side, smoldering husks and all that was left were just sort of the bricks, you know, the anchors that didn't just get consumed like no, they would No, exactly did. the photo and you're talking about. Becky, you had handed me those. an article yeah. from the newspaper which was published on March 25th, five days later. And the headline is, Terrible is the Calamity Which Befell Our Town on Monday Morning. The east side of the square, a mass of ruins. William Chandler and Oscar Brown give up their lives while fighting a sea of fire. And Rebecca, you asked me to, and I'm happy to read just a little bit of this. Well, it's of just this, so flowery the way yeah, they wrote it. We don't, we don't write like this in the newspaper. No. <laughs> now, you got to think that what had just happened justified this kind of flowery of language. Course. This was a terrible mm -hmm. tragedy. But here's how they described it. Once more is Athens a sufferer from the ruthless flames. On last Monday, the town was startled from its slumbers by the sole harrowing cry of fire. Hastily were the garments donned and rapidly did the throng congregate until the public square was a mass of humanity, ready, willing, and anxious to save the property of those endangered from the devastating monster, which when once under headway consumes all within its past. We are powerless to describe the awful grandeur and majesty of the devouring element as it wrapped in its embrace one after another of the buildings on the east side of the square. Unable are we to faithfully depict the gallant work of the men, women, and children in their noble unselfishness to serve. Were the individual instances of heroism cited, it would fill every column of this paper. 
Everyone did what he or she conceived to be his or her duty. Gallant were the efforts to arrest the progress of the fire, but they were of little avail. With the roar of a hurricane, the fiery monster sped its way until the firewall of Dr. J.R. Hoffman's bookstore, assisted by the valiant services of the water brigade, arrested it in its course of destruction. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's powerful language. Yeah. Powerful language. That was what happened, and those two guys gave up their lives. Now, Well, now, before we get into what's happening now, because you know Richard has a connection to this story. Tell us, Richard. William Chandler is my great uncle, and he came to Athens from McKenzie, Tennessee, to go to the agriculture school, and he was paid at night to stay in the buildings, as he said, and to keep the furnace going during the wintertime, but watch out for fires. And that's how he got in the building. And Oscar was doing the same thing, is what I was told. And they couldn't get them out. And then walls came in on them, and they were trying to shoot them because they were burning up. Mm. And the fire was so hot they couldn't. But later on, as the fire got out, they found their bodies, and all they could recognize was his uh, tie the tie rack and uh, cufflinks of his, the other part of his body they couldn't recognize because mm-hmm. it burned so. And then, of course, the next day, my grandmother had him put on the train. They sent him back to McKenzie, Tennessee, to be buried. So that was my great uncle. Well, and they put Oscar. Now, Oscar, Oscar was a young black man. Yeah, he was the African-American man. They put him on the same train and dropped him off at Vito. Mm-hmm. That's where he was put in the ground. And then Oscar went on up to Nashville and then to McKenzie mm-hmm. is what they did. But William was down here earning some money and going to that new agriculture school, which was a very outstanding school. Right, which was the predecessor to Athens High School. Right. So do you remember your family talking about this story when you were growing up? Did your grandmother ever talk about it? Because that was her little brother, wasn't it? Right. Uh, My grandmother was dead before I was born. Mm -hmm. And my mother just mentioned that she lost an uncle in that fire. And that's... I was a little boy. I didn't pay no attention. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but till I read the paper and saw that. Just came down here to try to make a better life, didn't That's he? That's right. That's right. Sad. I didn't want to interrupt you too much, but I didn't no, want no. to get into no, too much I to modern day before we no, talked about this connection here. But what you're saying is true as to where you are telling the story. Well, the, is some of the accounts differ a little bit, but uh, you, you hear from folks that have remembered their grandparents telling them about being there mm-hmm. on the street yes. uh, mm-hmm. that, that night yeah. and how horrible it was yeah. and how the two men couldn't be saved. Right. Buzz Estes' father was there. Is that right? Pete Estes. His daddy, granddad, had a story, and he's the one that told me about the is story. That right? I'm a... Great uncle died. Mm. The wall came in on all that and burning up alive. Mm. And they couldn't shoot him. You know, he's covered up so much. Wow. Yeah. Mm. All right. So that's the history. So let's talk about what happens now. Well, and I do want to drop this other additional footnote about this just because it, I mean, I think it's interesting to all of us that are also just fans of the history of Athens is that this was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back on why we have Athens Utilities and Athens yeah. Water Service. That's, right. That's exactly right. This fire was so terrible, there had been a series of fires. And according to histories, after this incident, the townsfolk finally got with their state legislators, which is how it had to be done back in the day, in order to borrow the money 
to build a waterworks to mm-hmm. pump water right. from the spring right, right down the hill right. where the tourism office is That's located right. today That's correct. with yes. a pump in the basement of that building and pump it up to the Athens Square so it could be used to put out fires. And that old you know, pump house and that original pump and, and all of that is the, the genesis of what is now Athens Utilities. That's right. Well, and I, I know we have a picture of the fire at the archives, so I'll put that in the show notes. I know exactly the picture you're talking about with the buildings, the oh, skeletons yeah. of the buildings stretching toward the sky. Oh, yeah. And we also have some pictures that show that first water tank. Um, it was old school, 1900, mm-hmm. you know, water tank right there in downtown. And that's how they were able to protect those buildings. It's never burned quite like that since. Well, and I suppose now we move on sort of to the rest of the story. Right. right? right. The, right. That, that makes this from being a, a terrible and yet interesting historical note to uh, why we're talking about it today on right. Ghost Story Absolutely. podcast. Well, let's fast forward now to the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we don't have kids hanging out and being paid to hang out there overnight upstairs in the square. Now we got kids cruising the square. Right, that's right. So, so they're they're all, they're there a lot of the night. You right. say they're, they're, they like it wasn't you. Oh no, I was totally there. I, I, I was I, I was there. I, I was I was a part of the group. Uh, I cruised the square in the late eighties. I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, Richard, I know, I know. I mean, you were there too, a little bit earlier than that. Too. Yeah, we. But, oh Lord. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. This uh, this anecdote comes from two guys that cruised the square a lot. And they were two guys from out of Clements area, as a matter yeah. of fact. Clements people uh, always. Clements people oh, always get in trouble. One of them wasn't a black one. No, no, it wasn't. I know, I know <laughs> what you're talking about. I know. Last name black. Wasn't the one you're thinking about. Could have been, though. Could have. These two guys are on the east side of the courthouse square. And back during the day, of course, for those of the listeners that don't know this, aren't familiar with this, for many, many years, teenagers in Athens cruise the square. Just like you That's hear right. teenagers yeah. doing it in any small town, they'd get in their cars and they'd come. And you'd, the great thing about it is you'd meet folks from other schools within the uh, county. So you'd have Elkmont High School kids, Ardmore kids, Clements High School, Tanner, East Lime, so name them all. Athens High School kids, of course, and everybody would be down there sort of congregating and get to know each other. And it's a, quite a social scene, you know. Oh, yeah. Football teams would go off and they'd win and they'd come back and they'd circle around the square <laughs> right. honking their horns while yeah. the teenagers <laughs> cheered. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> Until it got a little bit out of hand in the yeah. early 90s and then Mayor Williams shut it down because yep. of property damage it was causing. Right. And it's never really started back up, which is a shame. Right. But uh, this story comes from two regulars on the <laughs> east side of the courthouse. One night, sitting on the back of their tailgate. And they're sitting there. And uh, back in the late 80s, the square would close down, so to speak, around 1 or 2. And if you were still up there that late, and I wasn't. I was long gone. I had curfew way before that. Right. But if you were up there at one or two, it would eventually become a time when the police officers would come around and tell everybody to go on home. Go home. And so this was getting really close to that time. And these two guys are on the east side and sitting on the back tailgate, two very good buddies. And they were sitting there, two trucks pulled up next to each other. One of them's, you know, they're sitting on their tailgates. And they were saying their goodbyes to each other for the night. And, you know, good to see you tonight, see you tomorrow night kind of thing. And they were turning around to get in the trucks. And as they did, one of them looks back over his shoulder or just around the square. You know, if you've ever been up at the square like really, really late at night when it's empty, it echoes. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, you know, you can clap your hands and yeah. you can hear it. I mean, it is kind of eerie. I mean, it it, it's got quite an echo on it. Yeah. So these guys are up there and they hear something. Like, they hear noise. And look over on the east side. 
And, and there, in one of the buildings in the middle, in a window on the second floor of the building, which narrows down the buildings, and which, which windows you can see in the 80s, and they look up and they see something in the window, like a flashlight, some sort of light from inside. They continue to watch this thing, and the light grows brighter and brighter until it appears that what they're saying is, is like a fire, like the glow of a fire. And, and you know, this was, I understand that this was at the time of year where it might not be unusual to have a fireplace. So, you know, they're just kind of looking. They noticed it before. And these guys said, hey, man, do you see that up there? And he says, you know, the other guy turns and says, yeah. You know, what is that? Is that a candle? Is that is that a fire or something? Is somebody up there a fireplace? As they watched this, they said the fire continued to intensify. It got bright. And so they began to see smoke kind of start trailing off from the outside of the building, kind of there by the outside of the window, you right. know, until it, it became apparent to them that it's a, fire. it's a fire. And they saw something moving around in there behind the window. But it was clear it was a fire. And so they got really excited. Now, just two blocks north at the time was the fire station. So these guys, they jump in one of the trucks and they take off, just hauling it in two blocks to the north. They get out, they're beating on the door of the, of the, of the firehouse. Fireman comes to the door and says, man, there's a fire on the square. Now, okay, again, this was before cell phones. They didn't sure. try to call 911. They didn't have <laughs> right. fire, fire station two blocks north. They run up there, they beat on the door. The fireman comes to the door and says, there's a fire on the square. We saw a fire on the second story window. So the fireman's like, all right, well, we'll get it together. We'll be right there. And so firemen get in that truck and make the two-block trip. They come right down there really quick. Pull up right on the block. The boys pull up behind them. They're pointing up the window, you know, and they look. Everybody gets out. They look. There's nothing. They ain't seeing nothing. Nothing in the window. Nothing in the window. The boys insist. They say, oh, no, look, there there was a fire. You could see the glow of the fire. We saw the smoke. There was something moving around in there. And the fireman said, all right, well, y'all stand back. We'll check it out. Could, could be something that's going out and coming back. That's fine. You know, could be gas or something right. coming on it. So they jimmy the lock and they run in there and they run upstairs. And the boys are standing around downstairs. They sit down there for 10 minutes. Nothing. And then finally, these three firemen that went up there, they come down. He said it was an older fireman and there was two younger guys. And that one of the younger guys was hot. He said, uh, there is no fire up there. There's nothing up there. Y'all making a false report. Yeah. You know, y'all y'all yeah. messing with us. Getting us to come down here. It's not funny at all. You know, I'm gonna call the police officers. Hey, he told us go go radio the you know police officer. I mean, y'all boys, y'all don't go anywhere. You know, right? Well, boys scared to death. You know, like yeah. no, sir, we did. We promise you. When we saw the fire, and so while they're sitting there talking, apparently the older fireman said, "I mean, can I, can I talk to you for just a second? Talking to the younger guy that was right. so hot." And kind of pulled him off to the side, but not so far away as to where the boys couldn't hear. And said, now look, said, it's not unusual for us to get a report from the east side of the square that there's a fire. And if, if you arrest these boys for this, you're going to have to cite other people too, because this ain't the first time that this happened. And wow. indeed, that was the case. It is not unusual for the Athens Fire Department and 911 now to receive calls and reports about a fire on the east side of the square that people have seen smoke coming from the buildings or has seen fire in the windows at night, but when they go to check it out, there's nothing there. Now they go every time. But you talk with some of the folks, they say, oh yeah, you know, we get reports of that from there and we go check them out. But 
there's never anything there. Sometimes, not only do they have reports of fire, but every now and then there is a call that will come in that claims that there are two men upstairs that are beating on the windows trying to get out. Amen. And that's the story yeah. of East Side. So I guess that's, that's where I, say, I come in. We brought Jared in here for a reason. Yeah. So my name is Jared Miller. Yes. I run Limestone Legend Billiards on the east side of the square. Right. And my wife, Jess, owns the Broken Brush Art Studio. So these buildings are basically side by side. There's a small antique shop that separates them, but they're basically side by side. Um, so we put security systems in both of our buildings a couple of years ago. Um, and we started getting hits on the motion sensor on these cameras. They're very good cameras. I mean, you can zoom in and see almost everything in the building. But we started getting motion sensing lights that would go off. And we're like, well, you know, there shouldn't be anybody in there. So I go through and look at all the footage and everything. Sure enough, nothing's on there. But these motion sensors are going off. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's kind of weird. Well, then after that, this is in the broken brush. So then after that lights started coming on in the building. We had black lights that were plugged into the wall. The only way that they would turn on, there's like the little click thing that right. you push forward, like on the little Christmas decorations usually that you have, or the little night lights. And uh, the only way those lights would turn on was that little clicker. So we would come in in the morning, these black lights would be on. And there's no way to turn them on beside these little clickers. And we would see that happen on the camera, which the camera would only catch it after the light had turned on, not before it happened. So I started paying a little bit closer attention to the lights on the cameras. So fast forward a couple weeks, starts doing it again. Well, I start seeing little spirit orbs. If you're familiar with ghost hunters or any supernatural show, they always see the little spirit orbs, orbs that go everywhere. Through, and, yeah. right? That's like a little light. Yeah, like a little ball of light. Okay. And it's very easy to distinguish that from dust or a bug because of the flight patterns they take. And the more you watch these little videos, you're like, okay, you can kind of tell the difference. Um, so I started seeing these little light orbs that would come from the ceiling, would go down and would shoot left or right. And uh, we'd actually got a couple of little paranormal research things like you see them use on TV. And sure enough, all these little things we got, we're getting interactions with. We would put these little balls, the only way they would light up is by touch or by move. Well, we were in the broken brush and asked, you know, is anyone here with us? We have some lights that you can turn on. On command, lights lit up. Wow. So I set three balls on the table. I'm like, you know, this might just be somebody's moving or like there's no way this is, you sure. know, the light's going off. So I'm going to set three and ask it to light the one on the left up. Sure enough, I say, if you're here with us, first I ask if you're a female, will you light the right ball up? A couple minutes, nothing. So then I say, if you're a male, will you light the left ball up? It probably wasn't five seconds that ball lit up. Oh, Just wow. the left one. And all three of these balls are within probably six or seven inches of each other. So if it was a vibration or something, they all three would have lit sure. up. So, um, wow. yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And then after that, just to make sure, like, you know, we're not crazy, I put another little click light up that goes in the bottom of one of our ceramics that Jessica paints. And the only way this light will turn on is for that click to sure. be flipped forward. And it's not easy. Like a child probably couldn't even do it. it it has to be clicked forward. Sure enough, I put that on there. I get home and I get a motion sense on my camera. I pull it up, nothing happens. So you can talk through these cameras on your phone. So I'm like, okay, you know, I was like, I'm just, just for giggles, we're gonna talk and see if it'll turn the light on. I mash the button down and I say, hey, you know, if you're in there, can you turn the light on to let us know where, you know, you're there. Light turns on automatically wow. on my voice. And I have some of these posted on my Facebook page. Um, and we also started a page called North Alabama Paranormal Investigations. 
Wow. And I, I saw your video. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if we can't cut link to that too. Yeah, absolutely. Because so Jared's been sharing some of these mm-hmm. videos on the, I guess, on, on the my, Well, my personal Facebook page, yeah, Jared, personal, but we're, yeah. we're going to put it on that paranormal, paranormal. phase that so we have, you, so. you can watch and judge for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, Jess says when funky things start going on in the studio, she starts saying, okay, William, I hear you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we have, I mean, we have lots that come on. You can hear footsteps at night. You're on the square at night late. We both work late usually. Sure. I'm the pool hall so we don't close until about midnight or 1 a.m so it's kind of eerie anyway so usually you're, you're like you know it's just my mind playing tricks on me but the more and more it happens you're like okay this is this right. is kind of something going on does it ever make you feel kind of funny to be up there it kinda, I, get goose, I get goosebumps a lot i'm not gonna lie you know we get goosebumps a lot i got a solution <laughs> oh boy. leave it to richard the oldest one here <laughs> i got a solution the chandler family loved fruitcake Oh, that's right. And we make fruitcake after Thanksgiving. I have had Richard's fruitcake. It is amazing and and dangerous. And and I'm sure that's what he's looking for. So what we need to do is cut some pieces and take them up there. And it's got George Dickel whiskey in it, so you have to (laughs) be careful. dangerous. (laughs) Let's do that. Let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Because the Chandler family just love fruitcake. Absolutely, we'll do that. And then another story connecting with the uh, billiards hall. So, again, I would get those cameras would start going off. And this is a two-story building like Shane was talking about. It may not be the same building. It may, but it's one of the only two-story buildings on that side of the square, so it very well could be. Um, I have the downstairs and upstairs there's a medical office Mm -hmm. so my cameras would start going off and I would hear footsteps I'm like you know the guys they work overnight there sometimes so it's probably somebody upstairs walking around well then I start getting these orbs in the bottom of the pool hall but the only place they are is towards the front of the building and they go down in front of the camera into the wall they're nowhere else in that building besides that very front section there Hmm. So we were telling the guy that rents the upstairs, Brady, we were talking to him and he was like, you know, he's like, I didn't want to tell anybody this because I didn't want him to think I was crazy. He's like, well, we had a meeting upstairs and I had a nurse walk out and leave because we were having a meeting and there was a stone, like a little, a little pebble thrown at her and said everybody was sitting there and she felt that stone hit her and everybody was in the conference talking like we are here now. So it couldn't have been anybody else and said it spooked her so bad that she left. Wow. She left the little conference they had. And uh, he said that he's heard footsteps and everything up there, too, which we haven't investigated upstairs yet because we didn't know any of this until about two nights ago before this podcast, <laughs> which is, you know, it's kind of coming full circle now. Right. So that's definitely something we're going to wow. have to check out is that upstairs. Wow. So, okay. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. If it's Oscar, we'll have to do something else. <laughs> I know. You know, we kind of know who William was, but now right. I want to know more about Oscar, Oscar Brown. Right. You know, if he was up from the veto area and yeah, had come that's down where here. He's from. You know, also to make a life in the big city of Athens. Right. In the meantime, if you're going to bring William some fruitcake, don't tell me where it is because I might sneak over from the archives and get me a piece. <laughs> I know. show up and it'll it's be right gone. It'll be gone. I'll be like, must be the ghost. I can't imagine. The rumor of the fruitcake will bring him out. That's right. Oh, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and if he starts stumbling instead of footstepping, you know he got too much of that George Dickel. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your stories. And um, I'm just proud to be able to share some of these stories with everybody and let y'all make up your own minds about what you believe. But hopefully we'll be back again here next fall for another episode of Homegrown Haunted History. (laughs) 